The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. I am super excited to have you join us today as we explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Peace, defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. Just inhale that for a moment. Peace. Can you even imagine living your day, just your day, I'm not even talking about your life, just your day, this moment right now, in wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. How amazing is that? Well, I'm here to tell you that, yes, it's possible. Yes, you deserve it. And yes, you can have it. We work together on this show, the Everyday Peace Show with Dr. Drayvon James, to bring you the topics and the guests to partner with you as you create your life of peace every day. Today, we have a fabulous guest joining us, Reverend Dr. Raymond Anderson frequently referred to as a renaissance man. And one look at his resume and the reason becomes clear. He is a lifelong learner with a passion for self-development, personal transformation, transmutation, and transfiguration. He lives his bliss as a teacher, minister, speaker, mentor, father, grandfather, and so much more. His mission is to live, move, and be active. Now, that active is an acronym, and I'm going to tell you what that is in just a minute. But to be an active member of society who serves to educate and emancipate people and communities to awaken and empower themselves through his service and through the transformative teachings, technologies, and practices of new thought. These people and communities recognize, realize, and materialize their full divine potential. Active means authentic, compassionate, transparent, inspired, vibrant, and empowered. Now, if that doesn't sound like peace, you put every day on the end of that, that's amazing. He is a licensed Center of Spiritual Living Minister and currently serves as the Senior Minister at the Center of Living, Center of Spiritual Living, excuse me, D.C. Greater Baltimore. While being the spiritual leader at CSL Greater Baltimore, he continues to serve the wider spiritual community as demonstrated by his continuing travels to various centers of spiritual living and unity churches. Over the years, he has spoken and taught to many, many, many uh, institutions from as close as the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, as far away as Jamaica. He is an author who's published two books, Moving Mountains, The Journey of Transformation, Visual Music, Interpreting Song in American Sign Language. More to come on that because I saw him do some amazing, amazing 
interpreting of songs. And he is currently working on his third book. So without any further ado, I would love to introduce to our listening audience, Reverend Dr. Raymond Anderson. Welcome to the Everyday Peace Show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I'm honored and grateful. Thank you. Oh, we're, the, we're honored. We have no idea. We're in for a, quite a treat. And I want to say before we open up at our topic today that I saw you do this interpreting song and I videoed a little <laughs> bit of it, but I don't need a video of it. It is forever in my heart of all hearts. It was amazing. I'm honored. I'm honored. Uh, amazing. <laughs> and, if, and, if, and I know this is radio and people can't see you, but I hope that you all will take an opportunity to Google him and see. It, it was, I have no words for what you did uh, that day. Thank that you. Sunday. Thank you. And so yeah, if people go to my YouTube channel, there are a couple of videos of songs that we've performed in Pittsburgh or wherever for like uh, various deaf awareness events. Oh, so there, now, there are a couple of things online. <laughs> I know that everyone must have um, the same experience that I had. I was there with my two teenagers, young mm-hmm. adults, and when you when you wow young adults, because you know they are, <laughs> they, they are you know technology and all of this. Yeah, right? so it's, it's hard to really impress them because they, they've seen it all before. Let them tell right. it. Right. But we talked about that. For weeks after we saw it. Wow. And, we, and they asked me a lot of questions, none of which I could really answer about how you were able to keep in sync with the music like that. And mom, was he really doing all the words? And I'm like, I don't know sign language, <laughs> but I felt like I did that day. Well, that is cool. Well, yeah, tell them to email me or, or send me a message on Facebook. I'll answer all their questions. <laughs> yeah, just that is amazing. Cool. Yes, yes, yes. So we're, we're talking today about spiritual, a spiritual prosperous life. And a process that you developed called spiritual architecture. And I'm excited mm-hmm. to, to delve into those. both of those excite me. But I just want to say, because there's a lot of communities that I feel like we don't talk about as much as we should in mainstream. And I, I am probably as guilty as, as many others. But that day sitting in your church, you really connected me to a lack that was inside of me, just this community of the deaf. And, mm-hmm. and I actually have a dear friend whose whose sister is deaf. So I, I'm, okay. it's not that I'm not connected at all, but you just awaken something in me like, oh, how can you do more? What should you be doing more? You know, how, so how yeah, did you understood. become so involved in that community? Uh, so my initial inspiration to become involved with American Sign Language started when I was five watching both Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I grew up in Pittsburgh, so Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which was filmed in Pittsburgh, you know, I I ran into Fred Rogers at least two or three times, and one of the people on his show, Maggie Stewart, inspired me to want to learn American Sign Language, and on Sesame Street, there was the deaf woman, Linda Bove. So between seeing both of these women, you know, using their face, their hands, and their bodies to communicate, it just, it did something where I was like, wow, that's really interesting. How do you, how do you, I want to learn how to do that. So fast forward many years later, I was in middle school and there were deaf students in our school who were mainstreamed and none of us who, you know, we didn't know how to communicate with them. So we just sat at other tables and just stared at them. And I said, you know, it would be great to be able to, you know, go over to their table and and sit down and have a conversation. But I wasn't able to. And then fast forward many years later, I decided to go back to school to become a public school teacher. 
and while student teaching, actually went back to that same middle school to student teach or actually to observe, interestingly enough, the same art teacher that I had. And he had three or four deaf students in his classroom at that, that particular day, and he didn't bother trying to teach them. So I asked him afterwards, you know, like, what's up with that? And he said, well, if their interpreter doesn't feel that art is important enough for them to learn, why should I? So then I asked the interpreters later, and they pretty much said, that class is the only opportunity we have to get a break. So if you balance which class is the one that we're going to skip, it had to be art. So I made a pact with myself and, you know, pledged that part of my being a teacher meant I needed to learn how to connect with every student that I had. I didn't care what the language barrier was. I didn't care whatever was going on in their home life. I needed to find a way to connect with them. So my last semester for my bachelor's degree as an art teacher, uh, they, they offered a class. The description sounded like sign language. It, in fact, was. I took it graduated, became a teacher, and then started taking every single class that I could find in Pittsburgh that was related to American Sign Language, and then eventually went back to get another degree as a sign language interpreter, and then got certified to be a teacher. There is so much in there. <laughs> there is so much in there. And I want to go back to, and I hope that the listeners caught this too, <laughs> that you're in, and I, and I get the Pittsburgh and, and, uh, and you, that connection, but you're in mm -hmm. middle school, which is one of, in my opinion, one of the roughest phases of, of school for children. Oh, for sure. So much is happening. I agree. You're I agree. in middle school, and there is a part of you that is so connected to the condition of mankind that in middle school, you look at a table of students in the, in the cafeteria, one of the roughest places to exist in middle mm -hmm. school is the cafeteria. Mm -hmm. And in middle school, you say there is a table of what looks like, what looks like kids who don't necessarily fit in the mainstream. And I have a desire to communicate with them. That's amazing to me. Well, <laughs> so, because many people have asked, like, what made, what, made you, what made you do that? Where, where did that come from? And I think because I was an outsider for the majority of my younger years. I grew up as an abused child. Uh, it's sort of like the, in the Greek mythology, there's the character of Chiron, the wounded healer. He was a master healer because he himself had a wound that he could not heal. So it gave him great compassion and empathy and skill with connecting with and helping others to be relieved of their pain and their suffering and whatever their you know malady was and so i think because i was abused as a child and the manner in which i took it in and then transformed it for myself it just made me easier it made it easier for me to see when others were the outsiders when others were you know the ones being bullied etc and you know just it opened my heart in a different way Oh, I love that. And you are the second person this month in August 2019 to mention to me this Chiron. So I know it's wow. to, me, to read about it uh, because okay. I heard about it many, many years ago. And okay. so it, and I've often heard the term, you know, the wounded healer. Mm -hmm. And that just strikes a chord in my, in my heart. It touches me. And I feel like, OK, if there are so many wounded people and I'm way over on the other side of the football field right now, but there's mm -hmm. so many people in our society who are wounded. And that mm -hmm. um, 
being wounded, especially in childhood, I can relate to that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, being wounded in childhood is, whew, it's, it's a lot. And yeah. a lot of people don't emerge from that with the capacity to give to to others. They just don't yeah. have it. They just, yeah. it wasn't taught. It wasn't mirrored. It wasn't modeled. Mm-hmm. And they are so in a protective cocoon in a way that they have their defenses on high alert because they were children who were hurt. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the capacity to to give on that level. Because and, and this is no judgment, no condemnation, no blame. Right. I get it because their world, they don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I lived that for years, uh, so I understand. I, you know, the experience of PTSD and hypervigilance. So I lived a very conflicted life where I wanted to be able to serve and help and do all of that amazingly good stuff, while also shielding myself behind walls and barbed wire (laughs) and electric fences so that I couldn't be hurt again. You know, I used to have uh, wild fits of rage because of everything that I stuffed in. And then at one point, you know, I had an epiphany and, you know, just, wait a minute, why am I doing this to myself? I'm abusing me so others don't get the chance to, meaning I'm my own worst enemy. If I stab myself in the back before anyone else gets the opportunity to stab me in my back, then I, like when they stab me, it's not going to hurt as much because I'm already used to it. Uh, yeah, there's enough of this. So I made the necessary changes. But I understand what it feels like and you know to shield and hide and run and deny and yeah i i understand it wow i gotta tell you i just fell in love with you with that explanation right there because i think that was so beautifully put and so understandable so i hope that if there's anybody who can relate to that that you will google um dr raymond Reverend Raymond Anderson, because that was amazing. That was amazing to me because I think a lot of people don't get that about uh, people who are wounded very early on. Um, you, you mentioned about the, the fits of rage and how they can mm-hmm. just, you know, they say like kind of flip off. But it is, this wound is this deep. And um, with, I often think there ought to be some type of, and then probably there is organization where, where we just get together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And just sort of loving each other for a little while and say, hey, it's okay. You're safe. Yeah. There should be far more um, opportunities and places for people to, like you said, come together and gather where, for example, in our society, one of the things I just shared on my Facebook page today was this idea of people will say, dude, just man up. Where there's there's, uh, this idea of be a man, which means the translation is hide your feelings, stuff your feelings, don't share what you feel, just deal with it which is why there are so many men shooting people. It's why there are so many men dying of alcoholism. It's why there are so many men beating their wives and their children, because men do not learn how to deal with the stuff that society has put on them. But if we have AA and NA, we need to have more PTSD-related things, more circles for men to sit down, share their feelings without fear of judgment. That would transform not just this country, but the planet if we gave more people freedom to just be themselves. And, you know, oh, and I know we're going off on a tangent. We're going to get on this topic. <laughs> but, I mean, I, this happens because this is, needs to be said, apparently. I, I want to just piggyback on that. You know, they say man up. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm, of course, raising a young man and I, mm-hmm. you know, I have a 19 year old daughter. But what I can see that is different now and maybe the transformation, maybe I saw a little bit of my youth, but not as much as I do now, that the tender, more softer side of uh, the feminine energy is mm-hmm. rejected as well, too. So yeah. when when women, when girls want to express, OK, this is how I'm feeling is is that same sort of. Man up. I'm like, whoa, yeah. slow down a second. Are yeah. we just going to take this humanity? For, I mean, we're just going to be done with compassion and empathy. We're just because we can't. We need this with yep. all of our technological advances, all of our social media. It does not replace the no. humanness of our connection. No, it can't. And yeah. I think ultimately that's the reason why, you know, one of the things we were going to talk about today is the whole idea of spiritual architecture and living prosperously. I think that's one reason why so many of us don't. And even within New Thought, we don't step out there to the degree that we could because we take in, it's like what it says in the Bible, being in the world but not of the world. And we're not really straddling that very well. We are in the world, and about 75% of the time we're still of the world rather than it being the opposite per se. So when we, when we deny that divine masculine and feminine, ultimately we're telling God, no, no, I refuse to be in alignment. No, I refuse to be in the flow. No, I refuse to accept and call a blessing a blessing. No, I refuse. Okay, so what do you expect to show up in your life then? You're right. telling the universe, no, no, do not conspire for my own good. Okay. No, do not send me more blessings. Send me more things to be miserable, miserable about and fuss and cuss and scarcity and bills and send me more of that. Okay. Oh, my goodness. So we're, we're right there. We're segueing into this um, spiritual prosperity, spiritual prosperity. I'm one of those people who love the word prosperity from the first day I ever heard it having Amen. had a history of homelessness someone said prosper i was like where where do we do that mm-hmm. <laughs> right but what are we talking about when we talk about spiritual prosperity so one of the first things is like i remind people that just saying something like abundance or wealth isn't sufficient enough because i can say oh my goodness i have a wealth of problems today i have an abundance of issues that i need to deal with So those by themselves simply mean a lot of whatever we're talking about. It's a lot of. So when you say spiritual prosperity, however, you're anchoring in the idea, one, God is all there is. And when I say God is all there is, I mean God is all there is. It is a circle whose circumference is nowhere and whose center is everywhere. It's all God and it's all good. That means every single one of the listeners, the telephone and the Skype that we're using now for the interview the clothing that we're wearing, it's all made of spirit. Everything in form comes from consciousness. It comes from spirit. So the moment you align and say spiritual prosperity, you are anchoring on the foundation of that which is the truth. Because you can't have anything that's not spirit. So the moment you anchor in, I know what, where everything that I have comes from, You know, I lift my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. I raise my consciousness knowing that that which God is, that which spirit is, the infinite I am, I know what that is. I know what it means, including 
I know what it is as me. So therefore, you open the floodgates to what it means to let the universe then conspire, technically, not just for your good, but the universe is conspiring for its own good as you. Oh, okay. So I get that. I get that. I get that. We started off before we got in this interview. You said, well, how's my day going? And I said, I've come to know. I know mm-hmm. this, that, you know, uh, everything, everything is spirit, spirit mm-hmm. of God. And so though my naked physical eyes may not be able to see the gift in the current situation, mm-hmm. does that mean that the gift is not there? Nope. Our naked eye can't see oxygen, but we know we're breathing it. Go ahead. That's the absolute truth. You're I mean, like, me there are so many see. things we can't see. We don't see atoms and molecules with the naked eye, but we know that they're there. Absolutely. So why would it be any different with the blessings and the goodness of the all that is showing up around us all the time? Right. So when we're talking about spiritual prosperity, here is the the thought that came to my mind as I thought about the things that are occurring in my life and Mm -hmm. as I really felt honored to to be, to have this conversation today, because I know that there are no mistakes in the universe. There's no randomness. There's no chaos because we actually were supposed to do this interview at another time. Right. So today, and I thought to myself, it actually put a smile on my face. I said, (laughs) because this is confirmation that one, no matter what it looks like, in this moment, I am blessed. In this moment, I am powerful. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, on the heels of that, the ego gets sparked up, right? The <laughs> ego says, oh, yeah, well, you know, is that two-year-old time? Says, oh, yeah, well, prove it because this hurts, right? right. <laughs> so uh-huh. how, what, what is the secret? Is there a secret of, um, for our listeners, is there a secret of being able, we know that we can't see atoms. We, we can't see gravity. Right. We know if we drop something, it's going to fall and right. we let it go. But how do we stay in the moment, in the in the nowness when it hurts and when we are in our most powerful state, when we are spiritual prosperous right now in this moment? Mm-hmm. How do we right. stay there when it hurts? So the most important thing is to, it's a practice, just like anything else that we step into mastery of. And that's one of the other things that we do in new thought is somehow we have this idea that it should be immediate and automatic like it's new thought for the microwave just pop it in and 30 seconds later you are an ascended master like it's some kind of advertisement for this thing and it's not if you want to be a chef you practice you cook you burn stuff you do it again if you want to be a dancer you dance you fall you bruise you bandage you get up you do it again like there is What profession do you just pop up one day and say, hey, you know what, I want to be a brain surgeon. And you go down to the local hospital, put in an application. Your work experience prior to that was the the fast food place down on the corner. And they hire you as the chief neurosurgeon. No. When we're stepping into this thing that is spiritual mastery, it means dedicating our lives, our time, to this thing called presence. So that means... How do you wake up in the morning? What is the first thing you do? Do you bless the cat or do you kick the cat? Like, what do you do? Do you, oh, God, it's Monday. Or, oh, God, it's Monday. Like, how do you embrace each breath, each moment? What are you grateful for? 
who are you grateful for? And it's, it's this constant practice of reminding yourself and stepping into the opportunity. It's like spiritual push-ups, just strengthening yourself with each moment. When I tell people who say they don't watch or can't watch the news, and I say, can you pray? And they're like, of course I pray. And I say, well, then use the news as a global prayer request. Everything that you see on there that causes you angst or anxiety, use that as a prayer request from the world to pray with and for, to elevate consciousness. But a lot of people don't want to do that because it now makes people accountable for and responsible for being present and being compassionate and being a humane human. Mm. It's easier to be cruel. Cruel like, or scared. Cruel. So right. It, that's easy. That's the road most traveled. Yes. The road yes. least traveled is the road that says, in the midst of my sorrow, in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my anguish, in the midst of this suffering, let me find that spirit of the bodhisattva that says, first, have compassionate for myself and give myself permission to feel what I feel without judgment feel it and then now how do i move through it how do i transcend it or transform it what do i need to do with this energy don't let it burn me up but use it to burn and and create art let it burn and and inspire like what is it going to do for me not to me but it's a practice i love it and it is a practice and i love how you said because I remember hearing you talk before and you said the same principle and it's, it, it, it deserves being repeated by so many people. We come to, the, to this place called New Thought and mm-hmm. we think, well, I am supposed to be transformed at the mountain right now. Hey, I yep. made a decision. What's <laughs> going on? Right? And you can make a decision. I love it. You can make a decision to enter medical school and become a neurosurgeon, but it's going to take a lot of years to do that. Yep. And in the process, you are becoming refined because guess what? You know a little bit more than you knew year one. And when you Mm -hmm. hit year two, you're still not ready. No one's going to let you operate in their brain at year two. Trust me. But you know a lot more than the guy who never went to to begin the program of studying. And I think that's what we're looking for. We're looking, well, that's what I'm looking for. And I hope other people are looking for too. We're looking for the journey that takes us closer to the being that we really are. And the process is beautiful without without any uh, shame or condemnation. Oh, you know, I missed the mark, so what? You, mm-hmm. you, got, you got the next minute. You know, we get so caught up. I hear people say this a lot. Uh, they get caught up in the fact that I can't do it. I can't do it because you see, I was just um, not behaving well a moment ago. Mm-hmm. And so I want to stop right there. We're going to take a break. This is Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. So we're back with Everyday Peace, Dr. Drayvon James, and our guest today, Reverend Dr. Raymond Anderson. We're talking about spiritual prosperity, and we are we're in for a treat today because uh, he has also developed a process called spiritual architecture. So we're going to talk about that and what it means and how we can use this in our life. And 
Reverend, take it away. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> the, the basic idea of spiritual architecture was born out of this idea that in 2009, while living in Maryland, I had an opportunity to return to public school teaching. Previously, I taught in Pittsburgh. I taught art for many years. And here in Maryland, I had this opportunity to teach American Sign Language. So I'm teaching American Sign Language from 2009 to 2011. The politics of the school system got to be too much. And after resigning, I end up falling into that thing called depression, which was a very comfortable place. I had known it for many years. As a result of the depression, I gained, so let's see, in 2009, I weighed about 180, 190. 2011 to 2012, I went up to 305-ish pounds. High blood pressure, high cholesterol to the point where I went to see my uh, physician because I was having chest pains, and she got teary-eyed because she was afraid that if she let me walk out of her office without giving me a prescription, that that was going to be the last time she saw me. So she said to me, Ray, I know you do this spiritual practice stuff, and I know you do your martial arts. I'm going to trust that if I let you walk out of here without a prescription, you're going to get back on track and show me an improvement within three to six months. I left that woman's office and had a, had a moment where I sat down with myself and said, okay, what happened? So I mentioned this specifically because one of the things we talked about previously to the break was this idea of maintaining. And in New Thought, we have this idea that you can't fall off. You know, it's like your sobriety. You know, you're supposed to pray, 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 pray. And if you fall off, it's like, oh, I messed up. Things happen. We're human. Like I said about the example with the dancer or the chef, you're, not every meal is going to be five-star quality. So I sat down and had a moment and I said, okay, what's going on? Where did I lose track? I've, I had forgotten. So like any architect, you start with the foundation. What was going on with my foundation? So I went back to the foundation and started practicing the basic things like forgiveness again, forgive my parents, forgive my older brothers, forgive my cousins, the neighbors, forgive everybody who's ever hurt me, molested me, took advantage of me, robbed from me, beat me, held a gun to my head, forgive all of them. Okay, then forgive me. I forgot about forgiving me and I came back to that. So after having gone through that process, after the first month, I didn't change anything about what I was eating. I didn't change anything about how many Starbucks venti caramel macchiatos, 11 pumps of vanilla, extra caramel, extra whipped cream that I was drinking. I didn't change any of that. However, 15 pounds was gone. I forgave, and I went through all of that stuff, and 15 pounds was gone. So then spiritual architecture came into being where I said, okay, what else comes? Once you have the foundation, now what do you do? So what I said was, okay, there are six prime areas of everybody's life. There's the physical, the intellectual or the mental. There's the emotional, financial, relational, and spiritual, not in any particular order. So I started looking at my life, the physical. How is my body and how is the physical environment that I am in? It should be demonstrating a level of peace and compassion and whatever it is that I am saying, I, as the divine, seek to embody in my life. If, if I get into my car 
and I've got, you know, this, okay, disclaimer, because this did not happen. I'm just using this as an example, because I know people whose cars look like this, no judgment. But if I get into the car, and I've got a pizza box in the back that from ordering pizza three months ago, and I got a box of chicken bones from when I had KFC two months ago, but why is that still in the car? Right? So it's a reflection. Everything outward from us, as above, so below, as within, so we are going to see outpictured in form. So start clearing the area. Start looking at the body differently, the body as a temple, the body as a sacred thing, not simply as a vessel for God, but that it is God. Like your physical body is spirit in human form. So respect it like that. Um, I know a practitioner in CSL, Centers for Spiritual Living, he created this like bumper sticker idea where he says, you're God, act like it. So physically, what do I need to, to demonstrate this idea of spiritual prosperity? So, you know, started working out, started doing martial arts again, uh, started changing the way my bedroom was, you know, so flow of energy. It was sort of like my own design of feng shui. Just how do, how do things move easier for me? So then what's next? So intellectually or mentally, what's going on in my mind? What am I choosing to focus on and think about? Am I ruminating on what I don't want? Like, am I really focusing on all of the bad things in the world and the bad things in my life? Or am I using, like Charles Fillmore spoke about, one of the uh, powers of man is imagination. Am I using my imagination to craft and create the life I desire and the life I deserve? How am I using that power, that spiritual power, Am I using it to demonstrate what I want? So just all of it, because oftentimes we're not really consciously thinking about what we're thinking about, but that's the great thing about being the, the observer. We can step outside of whether it's through contemplation or meditation and give ourselves the opportunity to look at what we're thinking about. You know, like metacognition, I can think about what I'm thinking about while I'm thinking about it. So like really look at where, where do my thoughts tend to go when I'm sitting in traffic? Am I fussing and cussing about being stuck in traffic? Or am I choosing to bless the moment and bless the traffic and bless everything and everyone around me? Because if we understand that we are divine that there is no person who is more divine than any of us. So Jesus or Yeshua, he was not more holy or more divine. He was more aware of his divinity. Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha, was more aware. He awakened to know. But we all are just as divine and sacred and aware when we choose to be. So I don't need a minister I don't need a shaman or a medicine man or a medicine woman to bless anything. I can do that. So let me take my thoughts and use them creatively to bless this moment. I can simply say, I know that even though, like you said earlier, that even though my naked eye cannot see or recognize why or what's going on that is causing me to be in this place at this time, but I call this moment holy. 
I call this time right here with everybody around me as sacred. I make it so by my word, because there is only one word, the same word that spoke at the beginning and said, let there be light, is the same word that I am using right now. It's the same word that you use when you ask questions and we have this, this jazz uh, improv back and forth. Like it's the same, it's the same. So use my intellect, use my mind constructively and creatively. Emotionally, how, what am I feeling? Am I giving myself permission with ease and grace to feel whatever I feel? whether that's anger, because there can be righteous anger. Jesus flipped tables when people were like disrespecting his father's house, right? So righteous anger is the anger that says, you will not come into my child's school with a gun. I will do what I need to do to pass legislature. I will do what I need to do to march. I will do what I need to do to make phone calls. I will do what I need to do to have laws change in a way that says my child goes to school and is safe. That's righteous anger. Mothers Against Drunk Driving was created out of righteous anger. Non-righteous anger is what gives the white supremacists the anger to want to kill. But if you don't deal with that anger in a way that is healthy, then it turns into, it spirals into the Hitlers and the Stalins and the, the, the people who want to cause harm to another. So what am I feeling? Do I feel grief? Do I feel sadness? Do I feel depression? Do I feel loneliness? What do I feel? And another thing I, I remind people in changing our language, rather than saying either I am sick or I have a cold, I'm experiencing a cold. Because the moment you say I have a cold, you have now claimed ownership because I have a son, I have a dog, I have a car, I have a cold you have some kind of intimate connection with all of these. Do you really want to have a cold? Or do you want to experience it knowing that the experience of that will ebb and flow and move and shift because it is simply that is an experience. It is not something you claim and, and own. So it's the same thing. Don't be depressed. Feel the depression knowing that the feeling can shift. So just being in touch with our emotions, our emotional intelligence, know what you're, you know, touch, touch in, tap in, tune in periodically throughout the day and just say, okay, what am I feeling right now? Okay, I'm good. Or, woo, I didn't, woo, I'm angry, but like I feel this anger simmering under the surface. Like just, you know, tune into that every so often. Financial, money is not evil. It is not dirty. It is something that is also God showing up in form. Because God is all there is, so that means every dollar bill, every coin is spirit in form. It's energy. So when I participate in the law of circulation, and we know I understand that circulation is important because our blood circulates through our body, there is electricity, a current that is flowing, and currency is the flow of so being mindful and aware of this ebb and flow of this energy that we call money even to the point where we understand don't tithe spiritually invest i, I am that. spiritually investing in my spiritual community meaning the same thing you do when you invest in amazon or whatever you are 
investing in it to reap the benefit. I am investing in the future of this church. I am investing in the future of this movement so that 100 years from now, other people and their children and their children's children can benefit the way I am from this teaching. Invest in, right? So just financially shift wherever the idea of scarcity, lack, and uh, poverty consciousness. Find out where they are. And if anybody has not read Eric Butterworth's uh, spiritual economics, I highly recommend it. I'm getting ready to teach a class on that in a, about a month. But it's a powerful book on how to shift your ideas and consciousness around money. Relational prosperity is look at all your relationships, every one of them, even the relationships you have with strangers, because it's all God. Namaste, that which is the divine in me sees and recognizes the divine in you, even though right now you are showing up as the cashier who is checking out my food. I don't know you, but I know that you're God. That's enough. So just be mindful of how we are relating to everyone. There are people in many of our lives that we know that they're, they're energy vampires, and it's because they don't know who and what they are. But that doesn't mean that we should allow them to continue to siphon off energy. Develop a manner in which we can know their divinity for them while also having boundaries of what we will allow and who, will, who we will allow into our, our, our space, you know, our life energy. Um, because a lot of us will let anybody and everybody in so that we don't feel lonely, so that we don't feel abandoned. And sometimes that is the last thing we should actually be doing. So just reassess and find out if the relationships you are engaged in, and that could be blood family. Just because someone is biologically linked doesn't give them the right to hurt, harm, or abuse you. So just be mindful of how you're relating and how others are relating to you. And then spiritually, just be anchored, knowing the truth of your being, and the number one truth of that being that you are God. Plain and simple as that. You are God showing up as an incarnating form. One of the things we say in CSL is, you know, that spirit is ever-expanding consciousness. So God hasn't simply incarnated itself as you, because if God is always growing, expanding, developing, evolving, then so are we. So... It is incarnating itself as me in this moment. It's incarnating itself as you in this moment. And it will continue to do so forever. Long after these bodies have done whatever these bodies are going to do, whether they are transcended, transmuted, transmogrified, whatever the bodies are doing, that which we are as spirit will always, forever, be transcending and evolving and growing and shifting in consciousness. So how do I bring that into my life now? What are my spiritual practices? What reminds me of this on a daily basis? Whether that's meditation, contemplation, whether that's a spiritual dialogue, whether that's reading spiritually based books, attending church, listening to quality Unity FM radio stations and programs and like whatever it is that lifts the spirit and lifts the consciousness to that which is higher, then you're in, enveloping yourself in that which is spiritually prosperous. So that's the basic of those six. And then the seventh, 
would be the intersection of all of them. Since you are the common denominator for all of these, now how do you mix all of them together so that you don't simply say, like uh, when, I, when I coach people sometimes and I'll ask people, so what do you want? And people will say, I want more money. Oh, cool, I can do that now. I give them a quarter. And they're like, what is this? And I said, well, you said you wanted more money. Now you have more money. They're like, no, I mean like a lot more money. So I'm like, oh, cool, here's a 25 I give them $25, I give them a 20 and a 5 Here's $25. And they're like, no. I'm like, well, that's a lot more than a nickel. It's a lot more than a quarter, so it's a lot more money. And they're like, no, I mean like a lot more. Like how much? Um, uh, uh, they don't know. A whole lot of us are roaming around this planet, and we don't know what we want. We don't know who we want. We don't know who we are. We don't know why we are. We just roam aimlessly. Uh, the temple of Delphi, the oracle has above the temple, Temet Noske, know thyself. Spiritually, the, this intersection is knowing yourself as a physical, intellectual, emotional, financial, relational, and spiritual being. All of these are aspects of you in the same way that you have an arm or a leg or a heart and a liver and an eye and an ear. All of these are parts of the body. All of these are also parts of us that show up in, through, and as us. So learn how they intersect, learn how they are interrelated and interdependent on one another, and then put it all into practice. And I guarantee you that spiritual prosperity will be the result. You plant the seeds by your fruits, you will be known. If you plant it, it must grow. That's the spiritual law. Put it into the mind of God, put it into law, and the form must take place. So that's the gist of it. That is amazing. And I want to hearken back to, I met mm-hmm. you this year, 2019, and you said you were 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I encourage everybody to visit your YouTube page. Watch this man dance. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this. I would, if you, if I didn't know your character and have spent this time with you, there's no way I would have ever thought that you had ever been 300 right. pounds. And to right. know in the very beginning, the here, the, here. This is the 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 foundation of your architecture. As with any good thing, if a man builds his house on sand, it's not going to make it, right? right? You need a good foundation, and you put on the foundation forgiveness, and you drop fifteen pounds, and you're still doing the lattes and whatever else that you mm-hmm. want. I'm just going to get my foundation. I'm going to spend some time getting this right. And I love the fact that we start with forgiving self because I can tell you that I talk to people all day long. And it reminds me, because when we give, we receive, it reminds me that Drayvon is Drayvon's best friend. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, people are their worst critic. They are so hard on themselves. And they, yes. and they pat themselves on the back on that. I'm hard on me. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because if you don't, if you don't have the energy surrounding you, that you can forgive you, that you, you emit to the world that you are not worthy of forgiveness. Right. So we want to stop that at the gate. You forgive you first. Exactly. Because if you Amen. know better, you'll do better. And it's not just because you heard better. If you heard better and you're still not doing better, you just don't know it yet. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, you just heard it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and it's the whole idea of once your mind has been expanded, in whatever way it has been expanded, it cannot go back to its original dimensions. And, and, you know, and I always remind people, who have a difficult time understanding this spiritual stuff and the fact that they're God. And I'll say things like, okay, so if I have a, have a chocolate cake, right? 
and I take one slice out of the chocolate cake. And I ask people, the chocolate slice, the cake, is that the whole cake? And they're like, no, it's a slice from. And then I'll say, but how much of that slice is all chocolate cake? Well, the entire slice is chocolate cake. Okay, so I'm not the entirety of God, but everything that I am is it. And so if I criticize or condemn myself, which is why metaphysically we understand that when Moses uh, went to the mountain and said, so when I go back down the hill, they're going to ask for a name because, you know, my people are big on names, you know, such and such begat and such and such begat. So they want to know a name. Who do I tell them sent me? And it was yod heh vav heh I am that I am. Anytime we say, I am so sick and tired, I am so fat, I am so slow, I am so ugly, I am so I am, we're using the name of creation. We're using the energy of creation to say what we are. And we call it into being. In some way, shape, or form, we are aligning with this power that says, yes, you want to be fat, you want to be ugly, you want to be this, as, as you have spoken it, you have the power of life and death in your tongue. What are you speaking? And we oftentimes criticize ourselves. We are our own worst enemy until we choose not to be. Until we choose not to be. And we only have about four minutes left, a little over four minutes. And I want to give the listeners a chance for you to tell them how they can find you, how mm -hmm. they can work with you, how they can connect with you. Because I truly hope, and I know that people feel the connection. I know they do, because I feel it here. <laughs> I was sitting and I had to stand up at some point to <laughs> make a good conduit for the energy in the. <laughs> so, I hear you. Uh, this is everything that you just said. Everything that you just said. When, whatever we speak after the word, after the phrase, I am, you know, know that you are a creator. You have an opportunity to chew that word backwards if you want. If you speak by default and not in your consciousness, right? Don't stand in condemnation right there. Just speak another word over that. Mm -hmm. and don't let's not waste our time condemning ourselves. There is no profit, no benefit to you or to the universe when you stand and condemn yourself. We don't need that. So I want to stop talking and just let you tell people how they can connect with you. I personally know how to find you, so I'm so grateful <laughs> for that. Uh, but how people can find you, how they can work with you on so many different levels, because as I said in the beginning, you are a renaissance man you can do and have done just about everything so how can people connect oh, i'm honored so easiest ways i mean they can go to a website www.raymont it's with a t r-a-y-m-o-n-t as in tom last name anderson all one word dot com they can find me on facebook raymont anderson or reverend dr raymont anderson and just look for the picture there's a superhero somewhere shape or form there's going to be a superhero <laughs> And that's me on Facebook, or they can email me, Raymond Anderson at RaymondAnderson.com. Those are probably the easiest three ways to find me. I'm also on Instagram or Twitter, but Facebook, email, um, website, those are probably the easiest. Yeah. If you are looking for energy where I think the thing that draws me to you is the ease of which you speak such complex 
things, which are what I, I have this term. I'm sure I probably complex uh, coined it because I am a simple <laughs> person. And I say that, you know, I, things are simple, complex because the, the principles are simple. You can institute mm-hmm. them. It's mm-hmm. the, com- the complexity is making it yours, making it a habit mm-hmm. and, and, and doing it on a dime. Like, OK, I yeah. slip. I'm back here. I, I do this. I do this. I do this. And I'm back on step. Yeah. If, and I encourage people that we build a life of peace, wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality, not in a vacuum, not singularly. We, we do this as a team. Life is a team sport. I encourage the listeners to put people on your team that you can go to and they can take you, help you ascend from zero or sub-zero. When you get in a place of depression, and I think a lot of us who have been in a place where we've had childhood trauma, or even if you have an adulthood trauma, you got marriage trauma, you know heartache. And right. we need people on our team that we can say, you know, just when they pick up the phone, like, oh yeah, I got it. I'm I, Just hearing your voice snap me back. I'm okay now. So I encourage you to connect with people like Reverend Dr. Raymond Anderson um, and take your your walk to the next level, hand in hand with somebody else, because we, it takes a tribe to do this. It takes a tribe to do this. Yeah. We don't do this alone. We don't fall alone. Believe me, those childhood traumas, we didn't do that to ourselves. Right? Amen. Um, Amen. We don't fall alone and we don't rise alone. And I think that's by design. That's what keeps this whole universe going. We need each other. So I'm so grateful today, this particular day, August 20th, 2019, <laughs> that I shared space with you and that you shared space with the listeners here on Unity. I'm it's honest. not by, oh gosh, I'm on, I'm almost in tears. <laughs> this is Everyday Peace. We have just about a few minutes left. This is Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. We do this every Monday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Won't you join us as we endeavor to build a life of peace every day, one guest at a time, one topic at a time, one hour at a time. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.